my name is Zachary Rodier, and welcome to episode 54 of 614 Check here on the Sterling Gray Sports Radio Podcast Network. We have an amazing show for you today, and in this episode, we have the captain of the women's hockey team for the Ohio State Buckeyes, Emma Malte. She was able to join the show right before the Buckeyes traveled to Wisconsin and captured their first ever WCHA regular season title and the Julianne by Cup. They will be the first seed in the WCHA tournament. We're going to discuss that and everything else after this interview with Emma Malte. She also in this series crossed the 200 point mark. So just note when we're talking about 196 points and the Buckeyes not playing their black jerseys yet that this was recorded just a few days before. But it's still a fantastic interview. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. And then after this interview, we'll get to everything you need to know in this week's focus, including a recap of the face-off on the lake with the Ohio State Buckeyes. But without further ado, let's get right into this interview with Emma Malte of the Ohio State Buckeyes and a gold medalist of Team Canada. Enjoy. Today's 614 check is excited to welcome the captain of the Ohio State women's ice hockey team in 160 games as a Buckeye so far. Today's guest has scored 61 goals, 135 assists, for a total of 196 points, which is a program record. Along with winning the 2020 WCHA final faceoff, today's guest is a 2022 Olympic gold medalist and a 2021 world champion for Team Canada. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Captain Emma Malte to the show. Emma, thanks so much for coming on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. So before getting into your career, I want to talk to you a little bit about your journey to being where you are today. Um, so how did you get into hockey and when did you know that that was something you want to do for your career? Yeah, um, so I'm Canadian. I'm from Toronto or Burlington, Ontario, uh, near Toronto. So it, hockey's a big, big thing um, over there. It's 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 what everyone plays when they're little. But my brother, um, who, who's four, four years older than me, um, always played hockey. And I always loved watching him play and wanted to compete with him. Um, and my dad actually always built a rink outside of our house. It's just a little, little tiny ice pad. And we used to skate out there together. Um, when it was pitch black out, my dad would put up a light. So that's kind of how I got into hockey. Yeah, I played here in Columbus, but I've always loved the outdoor. I, mm-hmm. I never got to do that when I was younger. So does that, being outside a little bit, does that bring a little bit more love into the game? Yeah, I think just like, um, I mean, it takes a lot of love to build a rink. It's really, it's a lot of work. So I think yeah. my dad, um, just loving it that much and putting that much effort into it. Um, and it, it's tons of fun playing outside just in the comfort of your own home. So that's for sure adds to the passion of the game. And you said you're from the Toronto area. I've been there a few times. Any favorite restaurants and things like that to Ooh, do? That's a good question. I actually, um, I mean, I love going to Leafs games and I love being around in the city. I haven't had too much of a chance to um, be out down there recently, but um, I hope so in the future when I move back home. My favorite place there was, uh, it was called Lee's Garden in Chinatown there, but they closed down oh, after sorry. COVID. So, but I haven't been there since then anyway. <laughs> but um, so once you knew about, like you said, that you really love the sport and with the outdoor aspect, you knew you wanted to play NCAA hockey. I'm sure you had a lot of teams that were interested in you. Why did you choose Ohio State? And for our listeners at the time, Ohio State wasn't where they were today. Yeah, it's a it's actually a crazy question. It it really um, 
was fate for me. I mean, I committed in the eighth grade-ish, wow. eighth going into ninth grade. So now the rulings change. You can't do that anymore. Um, but yeah, I committed at a very young age. I came to Ohio State um, and the coach at the time was Nate Handerhan and um, he was a great guy um, and was really really awesome with me and my parents toured us around campus. It was a football game day when I came, um, the homecoming and, um, LeBron James was here doing the skull session. So, I mean, they really pulled out the red carpet. I got to go on the football field and I was like, wow, like being from Canada, um, university sports aren't to that scale. So I think just being in, in the moment, seeing the alumni, seeing the school spirit was just such an eye opening thing for me. Um, so Um, Ohio State was instantly one of my top choices. Um, I toured the Boston schools as well, um, Cornell. um, That's kind of it. And I I honestly just really know I wanted to be a Buckeye. Um, So, yeah, like you said, the program wasn't necessarily – um, a prestigious hockey program at the time. Um, I knew that the athletics at the school was really well, well respected and, um, I wanted to be a part of a growing program. So I'm excited with what I chose, obviously. And you said you toured some of the Boston schools. Was there a focus also on the conference of being in the WCHA or was it more just school-based? Yeah, I didn't understand at that young of age, the differences in the conferences, I think, um, I knew that the WCHA and um, the ECAC were two of the stronger conferences, um, but yeah, I'm I'm really happy I chose the WCHA with with the high end competition that we play every weekend. And since you came as a Buckeye, it's now six years because you took that year off to go to the Olympics, which we'll get to. What parts of your game do you think has changed and improved uh, as an athlete, but also as like just a, a student as well? Yeah, really good question. I think. Um, I was really fortunate to have really good coaches at a young age, which got me thinking the game at a young age. Playing boys hockey, I had to have my head up a lot. And I think that really uh, prepared me to playing in a physical league like the WCHA. Um, I think at Ohio State, I really um, accelerated my offensive play. Um, I was always a defensive player, a grinder, um, and like a workhorse. But I think just coming here and be being given the responsibility of being on a top line at a young age, having to play power play, having to play penalty kill. I really got a lot of opportunities to expand my game in different areas. And I think the extra time the strength coaches put in here, the coaches put in here really helped my player development. And just who I got to play with, everyone was so willing to learn and to listen to each other and work together. um, And no one's ego got in the way. So I think that really accelerated my growth as a player. And then one thing that's also a difference is you're balancing athletics, but also being a student as well. And a lot of people who watch your games, they don't always understand the stress that student athletes go through uh, to balancing the sport and the school, especially when you guys are traveling all the time. Uh, So how difficult has that balance been as well? Yeah, I think... I'm a person that I love to be busy. Uh, If you ask anybody who knows me, I'm constantly on the go. So I like it. I think it's kind of like my, I almost feel like I'm not busy enough when I don't like in the summer sometimes where I'm like, ah, what am I doing? But um, no, I I think that was an adjustment just um, from high school to college, like practicing every day. I think um, my high school really prepared me with academics and Ohio State is really good at, um, 
allowing us to send letters to our profs. Um, they understand when we're going on uh, traveling, but to have a full season from September to March and practicing every day um, and playing almost every weekend, it's, it is for sure an adjustment, but um, it's what we all love to do. So. And it's different th- from some of the other sports that are just concentrated in a few months and it's go all yeah. the time. Uh, you guys are going through the entire season. And, and with the length, that wasn't something you guys did in high school as well. So was that a little bit of an adjustment? I mean, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, in high school for, for us, we practiced twice a week, played twice a week maybe. So I think just like practicing every day and the level of excellence that like the standard we were held to every day, I think um, has not, is it was a huge adjustment, but also has made me a better athlete, I'd say, and know how to take care of myself. I know what my body needs. I know um, when to take a break and when to um, use the time for recovery versus um, go on the ice for an extra session. So I think um, even though it was a big step, I think it was really important as a for my athletic career as well. And after your four years as an underclassman and then as a senior, um, you graduated in 2021 and then decided to step away uh, from the Buckeyes for a year to join Team Canada for the Olympics. And before we get into winning the gold, how was that overall experience for you in making that decision and then going uh, to the Olympics? Yeah, so um, actually, I didn't think I would get centralized. I was um, really battling for a spot there at the end. I think I was one of the the later picks um, to be chosen for centralization. It's once every four years. So um, from the first year of the quad, until um, th- when they made the decision, I was thinking about it. So I think I had so much anxiety going into that decision. I was actually in um, Muzz's office when they made that decision and and called us. It, it it's a big deal and and really a no no brainer if you get offered. Um, it's been my dream since a little girl. So. I think just the way my teammates supported me, just the way Muzzy supported me on the other side of that Zoom call um, was really important to me. And um, being centralized was was a really amazing experience. It was really difficult, but it was also really rewarding in the end. So I'm really happy I did it. And you met a lot of different players. You got to play with a lot of different people and got to travel to new places as well and be in that Olympic Village. What was that all like? Yeah, I, I mean, I was so naive in the whole thing um, with it being my first time. I didn't realize the differences with COVID, um, you know, the, the differences in the whole process overall. But I had an amazing time. I met some of my best friends there. I think um, I was really fortunate to have such a close team and um, our success helped with that as well. So I think um, I'm just really lucky to have said I could have competed alongside the, alongside them and also win alongside them. And you saw some other Buckeyes there. Sophie Lundin was there. Andrea Brandley was in goal for Switzerland. What was that like seeing some people that you, well, for Andrea, you were on her team before. And for Sophie, you were going to be teammates. What was that experience like? Yeah, I didn't know Sophie, like you said. So um, also in the world um, earlier or later in the year, that's when I, I met her family and I was I was waiting to come be her roommate here. So um yeah, I know. It's really cool. It was cool to see Andrea. I had seen her at interna- international competition before, and she's such a stud. So I think just, like, being around the Buckeyes, like, Peter was there, too. Um, we didn't know at the time that he was going to be um, our coach again, but he had been my coach my freshman year. So he actually brought his Ohio State shirt to take a picture. It's just the alumni of Ohio State is so is so interconnected, and so it's so much fun to see everyone. So even Tessa Bonham on TV there, um, just because we're Buckeyes, she'll, you know— like give me some advice or pull me over and like I love that about Ohio State so much 
And then let's now get into when you got that gold medal and that that whole experience. What was that moment like when after four years at Ohio State, going through the whole centralizing process, which you said uh, was a grind and very difficult, when you were able to take a bite of that gold medal and and when the final buzzer went, what was what what were the emotions that went through your mind during that time? <laughs> I think it's so hard to explain. People ask me that. I'm just like, I was so numb in that moment and just like, wow, like we did it. Um, I think just like gratitude and just like really looking back up to what got me there was my f- overwhelming feeling of um, thank you to my parents. Um, thank you to my friends. Thank you to my the rest of my family. Thank you to Ohio State, my Ohio State family and just that how how happy people were um, to see me with that medal and and everybody had who's a part of my journey had a piece of that medal and I think that's what's really what's really special about it when I brought it back to them they felt like a part of it and it wasn't just mine and I think that's really cool and now coming back to Ohio State what do you think that whole Olympic experience helped improve your game and I know when we spoke to uh, Coach Muzzerl at the beginning of the season she said you were in a different position where you were on the fourth line compared to being like the starting center all the time. And you also got to play with Marie-Philippe Poulin and Sarah Nurse and a lot of other players. How did that um, help your hockey game a little bit more? Yeah, I think it honestly helped me as like a human being more than anything. Like Muzzy said, I really took a back seat and was listening a lot. And I really got to take in, you know, Marie-Philippe Poulin's leadership, Brian Jenner's leadership. Um, and and Blair term all all the leadership at that level is is exceptional and I got to really see how they did it at that level and like you like uh, Muzzy said I was on the fourth line and it was a huge role adjustment for me you know I, I wasn't used to going into a game and playing three four shifts a game and I didn't realize how challenging it really was and I actually texted my old captain Olivia Soares who didn't play as much at Ohio State but was a leader here and I was just like how did you do this like you were you were so had such a good attitude at all time like thank you um so it really brought put things into perspective for me and I think bringing that back and trying to put myself in some of the freshmen's shoes sometimes who aren't playing as much um trying to remind them that they're worthy um of being on the team and their role matters even if the it's hard I like I experience to realize that in that moment um so I think bringing that back from a hockey perspective it was a major adjustment for me and I think finally I'm starting to um find my ground a little bit again um so I think just all in all it's great to come back and and really see the other side of things and it was two different styles of play as well different ice size um and one thing too is you said the different rules and usually you're a player on the Buckeyes, but when you stepped away and Ohio State went on the national championship run, I know that you were at Pagula and watching as a spectator compared to a player, and I can imagine the emotions going through of being on the sideline instead of being there with the team. How difficult was that, and what were your emotions going through you at that moment? Oh, I was crying the whole entire time. But um, no, I mean, I think just being a fan the whole year and watching them grow and and it's just so proud of them. Like, I think um, just seeing them grind through that whole season, winning the WCHA, coming back, Sophie Jake stepping up, like huge. Um, you know, Liz, uh, my co-captain, my senior year, turning into that full captain role. Like, um like Peyton Levis and Gabby Rosenthal stepping up and being leaders on that team. And I think I really got to be a a fan the whole season, but also being at Pagula and it's like seeing them win was something I'll never forget. I think just seeing their emotions, seeing me like reminded me how much I mean to them and how much they realize 
that they mean to me. So I think um, seeing their success and being there and 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 seeing the emotion was just so rewarding. Um, and I and I wouldn't lie if I, I'm not lying when I say I want to win one myself. But I also um, think being so proud of them in that moment was something really special. And I was just going to ask about that. Does that give you a little bit motiv- more motivation in your last year that this is your last chance? They did it last year. Let's go back to back. Yeah, of course. I mean, I I want to win a national championship. Um, I do. Um, I, I don't want to look at it like it's my last chance, my last year. Um, but I want to do everything I can to win one. And I know everyone on the team does as well. And with the team now ready to enter the WCHA playoffs, what do you think the keys are for yourself and your team to continue that success and go back to back? Coach Muserell said at the beginning of the season, you guys started as number one. And at this point, you guys are still the number one team in the nation. What do you think the keys are to continue that and ultimately get your national championship? Yeah, I think like we're really rolling right now. I think we have some confidence. We have some swag. And um, I think we learned a lot from that loss in Minnesota to lock down defensively. And I think that was huge for our transition into playoffs to realize like how important defensive um, zone coverage and um, plays off the rush are important. And um, I think all season offensively, we've been um, pretty consistent and all three, four lines have been contributing. I think this weekend was a big weekend for people's confidence that haven't had as much opportunity. And I think, um, to see that support from everyone on the bench was really huge for our team culture. And I think moving forward now, it's just um, taking it one game at a time, one period at a time, one shift at a time. So, And it seems like always, and when the Buckeyes won the national championship last year, they said it was the strong locker room dynamic and the tightness and the bond. And it seems like the team's especially close this year as well. We saw that the past weekend with Emerson's celebration and then Tegan's the next day on senior day just ha- – Whoever scores, you're excited for the other teammate. How important is that dynamic, and how would you describe it on this team? Yeah, I think like when people like Emerson and Tegan, who don't get as much opportunity, are supporting us weekend in and weekend out. Like I said, sometimes for them, they 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 miss their they don't see their impact, and I think. Um, it's important when they get their moment, how we celebrated it, and it just shows how happy we genuinely were for them in that moment. And they're always so happy for us. So I think I think that just says a lot about our team, like you said. And um, moving forward, I, I mean, I've, I've always had a great culture on every team I've had here at Ohio State, so it's, it's nothing new. And I think that consistency and that mold and how many seniors we have on this team, like we know what it is and we know what we stand for. So I think just continuing that on for the rest of the season. And something in the locker room, there's always funny stories, pranks, jokesters going around. Is, is there a specific jokester of the group or uh, someone that always pulls some pranks off? <laughs> no pranks, I wouldn't say. I mean, I think like, um, something funny is we decorated stalls this weekend for um, our senior day and Tegan's stall was like pink and all these crowns and then Biz's stall had like her dog and photos of and, and like it was just everyone's personality and I think that was just so hilarious to see so um, for a prankster I think that we all have a little bit in us um, we have some freshmen that are, are really funny. So I think just the mix and dynamic between the big group of freshmen, one sophomore, and a huge group of upperclassmen is hilarious. So, And then on the road, that's when, speaking to athletes in the past, that's when things can get a little bit more goofy because you're 
away from the schoolwork and away from campus. Are there any fun or funny road trip stories that you have? No, there's tons. I mean, we often play uh, Dutch Blitz with each other, and like we are always up like in the meal room playing that a little bit after meal and just memories like that and being together on the bus and after practice when we have smoothies and we're all kind of hyper and excited for the game like those are the moments that um, I think I'll miss the most about being a part of this team and then it also seems like when the Buckeyes are warming up a lot of people are doing the same thing every single time Uh, and are there any you know, superstitions or pregame traditions that you have? I have a lot with Biz, um, Ass and Bizal. We do like the inchworm before the game on the ice. We spin around. Um, we do a lot in off ice warm up. So those are, I mean, I know mine. I think Biz has a lot. She has a lot with a bunch of different people. Oh, I ride my stick off the ice with Sophie and Biz. That's a big one. But yeah. And then now looking at the bird's eye view of all of this, as the captain of this team, being on the team for five seasons and over a six-year span. How do you think this team and organization has grown? Because like you said, it was a different coach from when you came, and now you have Mazaral here and a bunch of new players, and the fan base has grown as well. Oh, it's night and day. It's quite, it's quite remarkable. Um, uh, Nadine came in uh, my senior year of high school, so she's been here for six years? Five, seven, six, seven. Years, seven years now. Yeah, seven years. So one one year before me so yeah seven years and just to see the growth and like the mindset of the team I think like when I came in like there the expectations were high so it was just a bunch of people being like do you think we can do this like can we do this and then we started winning and you know and we when we gained a little bit of confidence we're like oh we can do this and like we were pulling things off we were we were relying a lot on our on our goaltender and we were relying on teams to freak out every time we forecheck them and that heart and that passion and I think now that's transitioned and that the heart and the passion has stayed but now we've gotten more depth we've gotten more structured we understand the expectations it's it's not starting from from ground zero right like Nadine has built that culture through her um, seven years here and now it, it, it's we've become more of a monster and I think um, rather than being the sleeping giant in the beginning, I think now we, we've been ready since day one. And I think that's kind of the best way to describe the growth. And now everyone else in the WCHA, they've seen that, but also the fan base and everyone in Columbus. What does that support mean to you? Because, I mean, being at all the games this year, there hasn't been a game where they haven't been turning people away. Yeah, and I think that just speaks volumes about our uh, facility and what we what we need at Ohio State. I think it's time for a new women's rank. I think it's time um, to get that going. I think it's so cool how you see young kids coming over and over again, weekend after weekend, because they love it. And the parents and my mom's making friends with a young kid that comes to every game. And, you know, it, it just... That's just Ohio State to me. And I think um, fans will come when success comes. But also, they stick around. There's been fans here that that were here my freshman year. And they've just been sticking with the program through the growth, just like we have been. And now, you know, I know you may not want to talk about it at this point in time. But as you're coming to an end of this year, um, you have many possible paths that you can go through, whether... uh, jobs uh, not hockey related or go somewhere else in hockey what are you thinking about for your plans in the future 
Um, yeah, I think like right now I'm just, it's a waiting game, just seeing what uh, professional women's hockey has in store uh, for me. I think um, I want to continue on with pursuing uh, playing for Team Canada and hopefully um, another Olympic Games, but that'll be um, that'll be an uphill battle from, from graduating Ohio State. I think just taking care of uh, my responsibilities with as an athlete after I graduate from here, I think we're so set up at Ohio State and um, it'll be a, a transition for sure, um, but I think I'm ready for it. And I think um, I applied to physical therapy school at home. I, um, I'm waiting to see with what the professional women's hockey league has so it's kind of just a waiting game and and seeing what plays out awesome and can't wait to see how it all turns out Uh, so before we wrap things up here i'll go through some rapid questions does that sound good with you all right first your favorite wcha opponent to play oh minnesota and why rivalry right now wisconsin or minnesota i think like before the past weekend against Minnesota, I would have said Wisconsin. It changes back and forth all the time. Okay, I love it. And you may see them in the final face-off yeah. in the future, maybe both of them. Uh, and besides the favorite opponent, is there one that's hardest to play against? Hardest? I would say, oh, goodness, that's a hard question. Or maybe from another conference as like, well? Yeah, like I would say like Duluth is a hard opponent to play against. Okay, and what about your favorite study spot on campus? Oh, I love the eleventh floor of the library. Of the library, but it always gets packed sometimes. Yeah, I know. Once, I wh- love it. when it was a little secret, it was good yeah. because it was quiet. But now everyone knows about it, and then half the time the elevators don't work. Yeah. Either. And then, what about your favorite campus food? Oh, campus food, Oxley's. Sometimes I get the freshmen to get me a sub. That's so. the way to go. And what about favorite Columbus restaurant outside campus? Oh. Uh, I like Bakersfield. You like tacos? I worked That's... there for a little bit, but well, you were soon here as well. Um, yeah, not like yeah, a little bit. Like so you that. had a even more balance, yeah. right? And what about the funniest teammate on the team? Oh, funniest teammate! Someone's making me laugh all the time. Biz, Madison Bazal, Sophie J. Oh, there's a bunch, but maybe Biz. Okay, and then what about uh, sweet or savory? Before the game or whenever you're you want a little break, sweet. Okay, and what's your favorite sweet? Mm, like sour patch kids. It's my favorite. And uh, what about uh, your favorite Buckeye jersey uh, for for the team? Black. I don't know why they didn't play them this year. Do you know why? We'll see, we'll see. Oh, maybe. Okay, I'm looking <laughs> forward to it because I was that's my I love that jersey yeah. so much, and everyone else wears it. And when I interviewed some of the men's hockey players, they're like, "We want a black jersey yeah. too." So that was that's my favorite one as well. And then, what about your to end things off? Your favorite memory as a Buckeye? Um, I think like I have a few. I think winning the first ever WCHA was a big one. Um, I think watching them win the national championship as a fan was a big one. Um, and I think um, sweeping Wisconsin at home my freshman year was really really cool. And we'll see if there's even bigger memories coming up uh, in the postseason. We'll see. So, Emma, thank you so much uh, for coming on. And for people listening, how can they follow you and uh, stay up to date with everything you're doing? Well, I have Instagram, TikTok, you know. That's all just the classic. Well, Emma, thank you uh, so much uh, for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that fantastic interview with Emma Malte of the Ohio State Women's Ice Hockey Team. 
and an Olympic gold medalist for Team Canada. Now let's get into this week's focus. Let's start with the Ohio State women's hockey team. We'll then get the men's hockey team and the faceoff on the lake. But let's first talk about Ohio State women's hockey, like I said, and talk about their weekend in Wisconsin. It was very simple. They needed a certain amount of points to win the WCHA Julianne Bay Cup and the regular season title. It started that they would need around four to five. Then Minnesota uh, ended up going to um, overtime with St. Thomas on Friday, um, which gave the Buckeyes a break that they only needed a total of three points to win the title outright. They ended up getting four points this weekend. They got one point on the first game on Saturday as the Buckeyes almost had a comeback uh, where it went uh, to a 6-5 overtime game in Madison, Wisconsin. And this was a pretty crazy game for the Ohio State women's hockey team. Wisconsin started off this game on a really hot start. They got four goals in the first 17 minutes and 12 seconds in Madison. Uh, and that's when the Buckeyes really woke up and turned it on and started to get Going. In the second period, the Buckeyes held the Badgers scoreless and added two goals to cut the Wisconsin lead to two. But eventually, this went into overtime after it was 5-5 after regulation. Then when it went to overtime, Ohio State was assessed a penalty, and it went to a penalty shot for the Wisconsin Badgers, where they were able to get it past uh, Amanda Teeley. And then the Buckeyes only got one point in that game. Despite out shooting Wisconsin 42 to 32, and this was, in my opinion, a huge game for Ohio State and Wisconsin. I said this last week on the podcast that they are a very dangerous team at this moment in time, facing adversity earlier in the season. Now they're catching fire, especially what they did against Minnesota earlier in the season. But nonetheless, the Wisconsin Badgers, they fired off a lot of goals in that first period, but Ohio State showed their resiliency and the fact that they don't quit. And being able to tie this game at five apiece, uh, you know, whether it went to overtime or not, if they lost, they got a really important point, and they showed that they don't give up despite being down four goals. And the fact that they tied it definitely showed that. Now let's talk about the next game. It was simple that Ohio State needed one point to tie Minnesota for the WCHA Julian by Cup title, and they needed two points to win it outright and get the number one seed in the WCHA tournament. And this was a very tight game. Uh, it was scoreless for the first 47 minutes and 17 seconds. Um, it was back and forth action. Wisconsin looked really good at the start of that first period, and the Buckeyes resurged a little bit, um, but it was back and forth. Great saves by both goaltenders in Cronish and Amanda Healy, who both played on who both played on Saturday as well. Um, but the Badgers were the first to score as Layla Edwards was able to get a shot that just went through the five hole of Amanda Teeley to give Wisconsin a one nothing lead at seven seventeen in the third period. But the Ohio State Buckeyes did not give up, just like on Saturday as the Buckeyes got three goals in the last four minutes and 17 seconds. Emma Malte 
uh, scored the game-tying goal. She found the back of the net at 15:43 on the power play. The Buckeyes, whenever they're on the power play, they always take advantage of those opportunities, and they were able to do so in this game. And then it was Madison Bizal who took control of the rest of this game. Under a minute to play, she took a shot from the slot and beat Cronish stick side high to give the Buckeyes the 2-1 lead in regulation on senior day for Wisconsin. But the Badgers challenged this goal um, for a hand pass. It ended up standing that it was a good goal. And the Buckeyes then went back on the power play for delay of game uh, for the Badgers as they already lost their timeout. So losing that challenge caused another Buckeye power play. And the power play continued to pay dividends for this Buckeye team. Bizal scored uh, the insurance goal and gave the Buckeyes the 3-1 lead with 26 seconds left on the clock and putting this game away for the Ohio State Buckeyes and the WCHA regular season title and the Julian by Cup. So this was a much different game uh, where the Buckeyes 33-28 were down in shots to Wisconsin. Uh, and they were two for three on the power play. That was huge. But they did win the faceoffs 32-24. Now, here's the thing right now with the Ohio State women's hockey team. They showed their resiliency this weekend. LeBon Ice Arena is a really hard place to play in, especially on senior weekend. Their families are there. The Badgers want to win those two games for pride so badly, even though they're already locked in on the third seed. They want to win these two games and get back at their rival in the Ohio State Buckeyes. However, this is where the Buckeyes really showed that, you know, when it comes to postseason time, you need some adversity to get you ramped up. And this was exactly where Ohio State had in this moment in time because they had adversity. They were down 4 nothing on Saturday. They were down one nothing later parts of this third period uh, on Sunday. But they didn't give up, and they were able to fight back, uh, force overtime on Saturday, get the win on Sunday. And showing that they don't give up and that the game is not over if you're an Ohio State Buckeyes women's hockey player until the final buzzer is blown. That says a lot about this team. It is really important that they have these lessons against a really good team at the end of the season to get them ready for postseason action. And it's always, yes, the WCHA loves having these type of games at the end of the season and keep the uh, standings to a tilt until the very, very end. Um, but at the end of the day, this suits up for the Ohio State Buckeyes really well to get them into playing postseason hockey because these two games felt and looked like playoff games, especially how both teams played. So these teams are both ready for the playoffs. I would not be surprised if Ohio State plays Wisconsin in the future, and we will see how it ends up all turning out. So now Ohio State's the number one seed in the WCHA tournament. They will host Bemidji State in a best-of-three quarterfinal series at OSU Ice Rink. It will be 6 p.m. Eastern on Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern Saturday, and then if needed on Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as well. Those will be on Big Ten Plus. I'll have the game on Big Ten Plus on Friday. And then we'll be moving to SGSR on Saturday as Connor Imes and I, who will be doing the final face-off tournament if the Buckeyes do get there. We're going to be broadcasting those games on SGSR if they happen. So we are going to get ready 
um, for those games together on Saturday on Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio. A good thing to note is now that we are in the postseason, tickets for the quarterfinal games are now a thing you do have to pay to get in. The tickets will go on sale on Monday, I believe, at OhioStateBuckeyes.com. So just stay tuned to their social media on how to buy tickets if you do, in fact, want to go. Let's move on from the Ohio State women's hockey team uh, to the Ohio State men's hockey team, who also had a pretty memorable weekend. Uh, It was their senior weekend, and it started on Thursday. Uh, as the Buckeyes faced off against their biggest rivals in the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, and it started on Thursday, uh, and it was a ended up being a tie, but it did go to a shootout, and the Buckeyes won the shootout, got the extra point. And this was a senior day goal fest for the Ohio State Buckeyes. It went to 3-3, three to three, but it was three goals, all of them being for seniors, two for Kate Singleton, one for Matt Cassidy, and this was a game that the Michigan Wolverines really had control at the start, but then once the Wolverines kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit, that's when Ohio State really put their offense into it. They had a lot of out-shooting margins. Uh, They put a lot of shots on net in front of the Wolverines, and that's where Ohio State really was able to show their dominance offensively. They played really well defensively, getting a lot of shot blocks. Jakob Dobish played fantastic, and the crowd was really pumping up the Buckeyes as well. Now, the thing is here is the penalty kill was perfect for the Buckeyes, but their power play uh, was not successful. Uh, Ohio State was 0 for 4 on the power play. Uh, so that was just because Michigan was doing a really good job with keeping the Buckeyes on the perimeter, not allowing them to pass in the middle of the ice and get in front of that house area for some rebounds. Uh, but nonetheless, the Buckeyes were really happy with this performance. Obviously, they wanted to get a total of three points, but they take it in a shootout as Jakub Dobesh played really well in that shootout along with the rest of the game. Now, after that game, the teams, including myself, Tyler Danberg, Caleb Spitter, and Matt Kending, went from Ohio State to Cleveland to First Energy Stadium for the face-off on the lake. And my goodness, this was a fantastic event. It was a game to remember, and I am so happy that I was able to be there uh, and enjoy this fantastic event that the Big Ten, the Browns, Ohio State and Michigan were able to put on together. It was a crowd of 45,521, which is the largest Ohio State Buckeye crowd in history. Um, And that is really cool for this Buckeye team. Uh, And, you know, this you could just feel the energy. It was really loud. uh, And the Buckeyes played fantastic in this game, beating the number four team in the nation to a final score of four to two. That gave the Buckeyes five out of six points this weekend, Um, and that is huge, especially against a team like the Wolverines. Now, this was a really special game right from the start of the anthem to the special jerseys that the Buckeyes had to how they scored two power play goals, um, which was really, really good for this Buckeyes team, breaking away from not scoring any on Thursday, uh, they were able to get into that box and make some cross-ice passes and get into that blue paint 
to get some goals and also came off the rushes as well. That's something the Buckeyes did in both these games. They came in off the rush really quickly and were able to turn those into scoring opportunities. Big thing for the Buckeyes as well was 53 of 82 faceoffs they won. They had power play goals and a shorthanded goal as well. So when head coach Steve Rollick always says that special teams wins you uh, the game, it definitely did in this one with a shorthanded goal and two power plays, uh, which was really good for this Buckeyes team. And the thing is, too, Jakob Dobesh had 35 saves, 19 in the third period, where the Michigan Wolverines were really turning the offensive pressure on. And he played a fantastic game, and he is looking really sharp as we get closer to the postseason. There were no goals in the first period, and this was really a first period where both teams were getting a little bit accustomed to the ice, the atmosphere, and playing outside in front of a really big crowd. But then it was Cole McWard that got the Buckeyes on the board at 1421 uh, on a two-on-one. That was right from uh, the transition. It then ended up happening that there were some ice issues, of course. The second period was suspended with 4.59 as there were just big shards of ice that were coming off from the ice, making big holes and voids in the ice, and it was unsafe for the players to continue. So they took an uh, early intermission, uh, went back to the locker rooms while they were able to do script Ohio on the ice and fix the holes uh, where they ended up after that intermission, played the rest of the second period, had a two-minute break, and then went back for the third. Um, and in the second part of that second period, uh, it was when Ohio State uh, was able to go up to nothing, and then Gavin Brindley for Michigan made it a 2-1 game, and then in the third period, uh, after it was 3-1 because Tyler Duke got a late goal in the second, the Buckeyes continued to push it on. They had another power play. Stephen Halliday uh, was able to bank a pass off the goaltender and shove it past uh, Eric Portillo, and ultimately. Uh, that is how it all ended up with the Michigan Wolverines ending up in shots ahead, fit 37 to 34. Um, but overall, this was a big game for Dobesh. The defense blocking a lot of shots in front, and then the offense on the power play and the shorthanded opportunities. Uh, it was the fourth outdoor game for the Buckeyes, their second in Cleveland, but it was their first time ever winning an outdoor game. Uh, and this was really crucial for this Buckeye team uh, to finally break that little record uh, that they never won an outdoor game before. And this game, the crowd was majority Ohio State fans. Uh, this was an Ohio State uh, home game. It really felt like that. Of course, you had Michigan fans in their band there, but there was a stadium, OHIO. Um, the graphics were all for Ohio State. When the Buckeye scored, fireworks went off on the field and off of the stadium as well. So this felt like a Buckeye home game, and it definitely was. And Buckeyes feeded off the crowd a little bit, and it was a crazy atmosphere, great game. I cannot say that enough. I'm so glad I got to be there. And that's a memory that these players are always going to remember, especially Tyler Duke, uh, you know, in Strongsville, Ohio, as a native there. Uh, he was uh, scoring a goal. Uh, in 
Cleveland, uh, right near his hometown, in front of his family, playing against his brother in the Wolverines. So that's really cool to see, and I'm sure a lot of these players will be talking about this game for a very long time. But they do have to turn the page a little bit as the Buckeyes close out the regular season at Minnesota next weekend. Uh, the teams will meet 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on ESPNU, and then at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Saturday on Big and Network, Ohio State Radio, will also carry the games. Uh, and let's look at the standings right now, as this is going to be something that's really important to see for this men's hockey team, because they had a big weekend. Getting five out of the six points uh, against the Wolverines is huge. But as we look at it right now, Minnesota, who they are going to be playing, they have won the Big Ten regular season. Um, but the Buckeyes are still in there to try and continue to get things going. Uh, they're currently at .609 uh, in the point percentage. They are behind Penn State right now, um, who is currently at 6.25, and then Michigan at .688. Um, but, of course, Ohio State is above Michigan State at .515. So if Ohio State can get some wins away from Minnesota, they can move up to maybe be number three or even number two, um, because at this point in time, they would be playing Michigan State at home uh, for the first weekend of the Big Ten hockey playoffs. But now as we move on from the Ohio State men's and women's hockey teams, let's talk about the Blue Jackets. They lost to the New Jersey Devils on Tuesday. 3-2 to two was a the score there. We had an episode of the Cannon Digest, uh, and this was a game where where the Blue Jackets did play really hard, but then it was a buzzer-beater heartbreaker uh, with two seconds left uh, from Ryan Graves uh, that gave uh, the Devils the win. They then went on to beat Winnipeg 3-1 uh, to one, and then beat Dallas, of course, 4-1 um, to one as well on Saturday. And then they played Arizona as well this week and at Mullet Arena. So the Blue Jackets have been playing really well and good hockey with some great goaltending as of late. And that's been really important uh, for this Blue Jackets team. They're now no longer the worst team in the NHL. They are now at 30 uh, with 40 points in total and 32 in the league is Chicago with 39 points when you're looking at the lottery odds. So that's going to be it for this week's focus here on 614 Check. Without further ado, let's get right into the rapid headlines and college corner. Let's now get into the rapid headlines and college corner here on 614 Check. Let's start with news about the Ohio State new hockey rink. So we do know that the Board of Trustees did, in fact, approve. Uh, for them to hire an architect and begin designs, which will take around a year. According to Aaron Portsline of The Athletic, it will be for around a 1,500-seat rink. Um, that's according to his report. And also saying that the men's hockey team will continue to play at the shot, but they will have a locker room at this new rink uh, for practicing. We also know that the AAA Blue Jackets uh, have announced the expansion of the girls program with the addition of a 12U and 16U teams starting in the 23-24 season. We also know that the NHLPA announced Thursday that the executive board 
unanimously appointed Marty Walsh as its new executive director. Also, according to Sean Shapiro, we know that he is confirming Kevin Weeks' report that the Bruins and Kings will most likely play preseason games in Melbourne, Australia next year. There were also a huge trade as the Toronto Maple Leafs acquired Ryan O'Reilly and Noah Chari, uh, and the St. Louis Blues got Mikhail Abramov, Adam Gaudet, a first-round pick, a second-round pick, and a third-round pick, and the Minnesota Wild, for retaining some salary, got a fourth-round pick. Uh, so that was a huge blockbuster trade. We also know for the Blue Jackets, Johnny Gaudreau uh, missed Dallas's game due to an injury. He's day-to-day. Another trade that happened, Tyler Mott from the Ottawa Senators to the New York Rangers for Julian Gather and a 2023 conditional seventh-round pick. We also know the Blackhawks captain Jonathan Taze will not be traded. Uh, they made a joint decision, the Blackhawks and Taze, that it needs more time to recover from his latest illness. Uh, so that's going to be it for the Rapid Headlines and College Corner here on 614 Check. As we wrap up telling you the WCHA first round uh, will be number three. Wisconsin is the number three seed, of course, playing the number six seed Minnesota State. The number four seed Minnesota Duluth will host the number five seed St. Cloud State. And the number two seed Minnesota will host number seven St. Thomas, who gave Minnesota a run for their money this week. Uh, I think... Of course, that Wisconsin-Minnesota will most likely make it to the final faceoff. Uh, and for the Duluth-St. Cloud series, I think that's going to three games and can definitely be a toss-up uh, and see who makes it to Minneapolis for the final faceoff. But that's now going to be it for the Rapid Headlines and College Corner. So without further ado, let's get right into the outro. I hope you enjoyed episode 54 of 614 Check here on the Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio Podcast Network and the great interview with Emma Malte and then discussing the face-off on the lake and the Ohio State women's hockey team's WCHA Julian Bicup Cup victory. Uh, we're going to get to everything next week as well as the playoffs for both men's hockey and women's hockey will begin to be underway. So I cannot wait for all of that next week in episode 55. Make sure you follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at the handle at 614check, 4check spelled F-O-R-E-C-H-E-C-K. But my name's Zach Herodier. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you on episode 55 of 614check.